Hello, everyone. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. We speak with industry leaders, introducing you to some of the most interesting people and businesses today. We are focused on women, money, and power, as well as diversity in all areas. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. I'm Diane Gubin, co-CEO of C-Suite, along with... And I'm Beth Hilbing, co-CEO of C-Suite. And this week, we're talking to C-Suite member and DMVDC Metro Area Chapter co-lead for C-Suite, Carol Thomas. Carol is currently serving in a senior advisory capacity for NIST, MEP, short for the National Institute of Standards and Technology Manufacturing Extension Partnership Program. Now that's a mouthful. And is the president of Charles in Charge LLC Business Consultancy. Welcome, Carol, to C-Suite Talk. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, why don't you tell us what is NIST MEP? Okay. Well, uh, NIST-MEP is part of the uh, U.S. Department of Commerce. It's a program uh, that is uh, within the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Anybody who goes out and buys gasoline at the gas pumps, you will see uh, that uh, it is uh, standards and measured so that when it says it's a gallon, you get a gallon. That's NIST. And then this is a program within NIST uh, that specifically helps small and medium-sized manufacturers. All the things that you hear about supply chain right now, uh, we're very busy trying to make sure that the suppliers are getting what they need to get uh, to the uh, original equipment manufacturers. Okay, great. I did not know that, and probably a lot of people were not aware of that either. Um, How long have you been with them? Well, this is the third stint. First, I started in January of 2000. And I was there for about 12 and a half years. I left and I went over to the SBA for a couple years and then came back as the director of the program. I retired from the director of the program in January 2021. And they asked me to come back to be a senior advisor to help the new program. Wow. So what do you do as a senior advisor? Well, I uh, give context to uh, what's going on right now. There is... uh, The program received a lot of money to help out with a number of things. I've mentioned supply chain. I also mentioned that uh, there's a workforce issue. uh, And we're trying to get more women into manufacturing because uh, there's a lot of great jobs, uh, very good paying jobs. And, uh, hey, you know, we'd like to see more of our women owning manufacturing companies, working in manufacturing, you know, in the plants um, and, uh, and in management in, in manufacturing companies. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. So how did you, you know, what in your career and your background got you where you are today? That would be very interesting to hear. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I took a circuitous uh, route to this. Um, I guess I just didn't answer that question. What do you want to be when you grow up? And so what I did was I, uh, Part of my background, um, I owned a small manufacturer. I actually used to manufacture custom-made, very large frames, uh, 20 by 40 feet, and put them in um, airports, uh, uh, also doctor's offices, hospitals. Uh, It was uh, wall uh, wall decor, and so each piece was uh, different than normal uh, manufacturing. Each piece was custom uh, for the space that was put in. Uh, So I I did that for a little. I had that business. I worked at the National Gallery of Art um, and met a lot of uh, companies who were making uh, various different types of things to be sold in the shops. I also worked at QVC uh, and got to 
wow. meet nearly 25,000 manufacturers across the country uh, and fell in love with them and wanted to help them. And that's what drew me to uh, uh, to the program. Yeah, I mean, QVC has just been a powerhouse. Oh, yeah. You know, for, oh, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Launched mm-hmm. a lot of great careers and entrepreneurs there for sure. Mm-hmm. So I know, Carol, because we know you because you sit on the board for C-Suite. Um, and you also sit on a lot of other nonprofit boards. Can you go through each one and kind of just describe a little bit about each? And then I'd love to hear about what, how you got your path to get on the nonprofit boards. Ah, yes. Uh, it's, you know, it was one of those things I actually started um, a long time ago on boards. Um, I have served on a board of Habitat for Humanity, served on the board for uh, Fashion Group International uh, of Greater Washington, D.C. And what I found is that uh, a board is is like your, um, you know, your, your secret power, your superpower that you have, because if you're the CEO or the head of an organization, um, it's a great sort of uh, strategizing a group of people that you uh, work with um, and also help to, in some cases, be fiduciary uh, if there's an investor involved. Um, and my recent uh, most, uh, I would say, the, the largest board that I sit on right now is uh, with a credit union. It's a two and um $2.5 billion credit union. Um, and uh, I've served on the nominating committee uh, and the um, search committee for a new CEO and many different committees uh, for that. And credit unions are uh, a great place to meet people. Um, I, I continue to serve on it. And it's about nearly 100,000 members on this. Wow, that's large. Well, how do you get on all these different boards? I mean, you know, for anybody who wants to get on a board and you're on very high powered nonprofit boards. So yes, give us your tips. A lot of people don't think nonprofit boards really are important, but but they, they are. And you have to make it known. Um, I happen to be a member uh, of this credit union and I was very interested in uh, learning about it. And I I felt I had uh, something to contribute. So I contacted, um, you can look any any uh, of your banks or credit unions, you go to the website. It, it tells you who's on the board, and the board's uh, members are elected by the uh, in the credit union case by the members. And so you go and and you let them know that you have an interest. They usually put you on a committee so that uh, they can see what kind of skills you have because it does take uh, considerable financial skills. And then um, you know you wait for a seat to come up and, and you get into the election and um, you you know send word out to the members and you get elected. I mean, it, it's a, uh, it, it's truly, I mean, I would say a little different than a corporate board. Uh, you're not necessarily uh, chosen. And, and um, in some cases you are, and people know you, but uh, it's a much wider opportunity to get on the board uh, when you are you know, doing it with a, a nonprofit. Uh, uh, and uh, the other boards I serve on, uh, a, a think tank, a policy think tank for manufacturing, which is uh, to me very important because uh, I feel that that helps to move uh, the direction and in how investments are made in manufacturing. Uh, I'm also on a uh, an advisory board for a small uh, for small nascent companies. These are startups, entrepreneurs who are making um, different products to help 
climate technology. Uh, and uh, that's very exciting because I also work with the um, angel investors and, and other okay. uh, folks who are interested in bringing along a, a company. Uh, and then I um, serve on a, a manufacturing institute that specializes in making sure uh, all manufacturers are digitalized and use cybersecurity. Uh, so um, coming from NIST, where cybersecurity, uh, where NIST uh, set to the framework for cybersecurity, uh, it uh, is uh, a big help for me to, to uh, work with them, uh, and especially uh, in manufacturing. So there, there's a lot of different ways that you can get to uh, boards. Uh, you need to you know, open up your eyes, see which organizations that you are involved with, and, uh, and determine what your contributions uh, can be. No, that's great. But as we know, you you sit on so many. How do you juggle your workload of your career and your board and your family and all that? How yeah. do you do that? Well, if you ask my husband, he'd probably say, um, she gets a D. <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, I, I'm actually, once I retired last uh, January, it was easier for me to to fit everything in the schedule um, uh, and, uh, and I am able to, um, and then actually through COVID, it was a lot easier, uh, to be able to attend, uh, meetings that were, you know, one after the other, right. uh, it's going to be very interesting, actually, uh, Beth and Diane to see what happens once we get all back to, uh, um, all Full in steam. Yeah. Well, yeah. we, we yeah. know C-suite is your priority. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out of all the stuff that you discussed. I know, I know. Well, you know, they say hard work yeah. keeps you young. And so we need to work until even through retirement. So we stay young. So well, and um, just not, you know, in a joking manner, C-suite is very important because um, there's a lot of uh, discussion about uh, from the members and from people who join about getting on boards. And I've learned so much. Uh, I've gotten a lot of good information on how to uh, uh, manage your schedule and, and get on board. So yes, it is important to me. It's, thank you, Carol, for that. For Terrific. Sure. We appreciate that. And just uh, just before we go on, because we have a bunch of questions for you. You had talked about women in manufacturing and getting more women into manufacturing. So could you just talk about that initiative and how you see that unfolding? Because that's a very, you know, everyone wants more women in finance or in tech. And now you're saying manufacturing. So yes. what does that look like and how do you actually execute on that? Well, like and, and with the manufacturing is, is technology. There's um, many, I mean, there's all kinds of industries. You can get into textiles, you can get into food, you can get into, um, you know, making, um, uh, being in supply chains, uh, you know, making parts and components rather than the full end user piece. And uh, what's interesting is there are a lot of women in manufacturing because maybe they, uh, through their family, through succession, um, you know, took over the, the family manufacturing company um, or have chosen to to go right into manufacturing because they enjoyed the production side of it or the marketing side. There's many different areas in, in manufacturing. And so um, what I've done is uh, every year, the first Friday in October is manufacturing day. And uh, what I would do is uh, go and uh, tour different parts of the country 
um, go. In fact, we did a, a wonderful um, uh, tour of Boeing at one point oh, um, yeah. to try to get good. more women um, to come into manufacturing uh, with uh, many different uh, companies. We also go to the small companies, too, because it sometimes is a little intimidating to come into a larger company as a woman and, and try to get a management uh, area where in a smaller company, you can come in and, and own the company or, you know, get a pretty high ma- uh, management uh, uh, position in a smaller manufacturer. No, that's fabulous. That's mm-hmm. fabulous. So how do you think, you know, one of the questions that we kind of talked about too, because of the manufacturing and everything is how has design thinking influenced your career? I thought that was a very interesting question. Yes. Um, and uh, my um, undergrad uh, degree uh, is in design and design is a discipline that teaches you to uh, to to look at things uh, fully, uh, not just maybe what you see, what the actual picture is, but everything that's around it, everything that's um, um you know, impacted, connected with it, that uh, actually um, is part of the total of, of what you're looking at. Um, and it's uh, manufacturing is uh, production where you you are you're making something and you you want to make exactly the same thing uh, with the same quality. Um, so that you can, um, you know, make sure that you're making a profit, uh, make sure that you're, uh, everything is uh, a repeatable uh, kind of step uh, that, that you're doing. And so with design, uh, you are looking at uh, what are the connections? What are the things that have to be in order for this to be? So it's a, um, you know, a cause and effect type type of, uh, you know, uh, analyst, uh, analysis of, of what you're looking at and, and how to make it um, uh, repeatable and how to make it come out exactly, you know, consistent and the same every time. And uh, it has helped me a lot uh, with um, uh, a lot of people don't know that manufacturing has a recipe. Everything that's manufactured actually has a recipe and it's called a bill of hmm. It shows exactly all the pieces and parts that need to be done, how they need to be um, configured, uh, and then how they are assembled um, for the end. And so it's a recipe. It's like baking. Uh, And actually, baking is a form of manufacturing because you're trying to, you know, repeat that same. Right, right, right. right. With quality and all that. Yeah. Right. So Mm -hmm. when we went to we went to the BMW plant in um, Germany, actually. And that was a very impressive plant. What struck me the most was they had taken into the account that most of their workforce was aging and they had glasses, reading glasses everywhere. So that the people. Interesting. I know. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, and now if you go into manufacturers, you will see uh, tablets, people with tablets and they can make things as large or small as they need to so they can see it. Uh, uh, they'll have uh, virtual reality glasses so that um, they don't even need to carry a book around. What mm-hmm. they, their next step is right before their eyes. Um, and, and so it's, it's uh, uh, very interesting uh, to see what's happened over the years in manufacturing. Interesting. Interesting. So, so Carol, um, what do you think out of all this are the most critical skills people really need today? Well, um, I think not just COVID, not just uh, globalization, but all of this um, uh, connection. 
how to connect. If you don't know how to connect, um, you're going to be left out uh, because everything now is connected. You hear about uh, digitalization uh, in manufacturing, but in everything. uh, And you hear about the IoT, the Internet of Things, the connection of things. That's what it is. If you do this, then it does this, you know. Um, And so understanding, uh, and I include in that being able to read the room. You have to be able to read the room, understand what you're saying and and how it's being received, um, what you're hearing and and making sure it it is uh, what's being said. Um, The comprehension of uh, communication between humans is uh, You'd think it'd be much easier because we have cell phones, we have all these different ways to communicate. It's actually, for a lot of people, more of a challenge. And so it is a skill along with being able to connect that you absolutely must have right now. True. So so what, I love this question. So what do you think is one lesson everyone should learn in life? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think... You need to be able to know that at some point in your life, it could be early, it could be later, you're going to have this watershed moment. You're going to have something that just clicks in you and says, ah, okay, this is where I can contribute. This is my, this is my superpower. This is what I have to make a difference um, in whatever you're doing. Uh, and you you have to, I guess, be quiet enough to hear it when it comes in. Uh, and so it's very important that you, you, as a very young person, that you understand maybe you don't have it yet or maybe you've had it yet. But you need to know that watershed moment is the moment that's going to do a lot of different things for you and, and um, put you into the path of, of the things that... Um, Hopefully, well, you'll be able to contribute uh, your power. Interesting. And Carol, you know, I personally, I think everybody has to have one failure that is so heart-wrenching, whatever that looks like, whether it's in a relationship or business or a career, and that makes you realize that you can pick yourself up and keep going. And when you recreate yourself, you're even stronger because you had that horrible, whatever it was. That watershed moment, most times is a failure. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, a failure. Yeah. It's a failure. I when I was at QVC, I had um, a, a situation where you know I was a buyer and I, I found somebody um, uh, who uh, wanted to sell their item on QVC, and I said, "Well, you know, it's not quite you know something that would sell," and and they insisted, and I said, "Okay, but here's what happens: what doesn't sell, you're going to get back." And, um, and so we put his item on, it didn't sell well. And uh, he ended up uh, losing his house and then he took his life. And that said to me, okay, you are a great guy. You, you do, but is this you? You know, it, it wasn't anything that I did, um, but it was what I didn't do, you know? Uh, and so it, it made me think, I, I like to help people. I like people to have success. So it took me on the path of going into public service. 
you know, uh, public service uh, brought me back into manufacturing uh, and uh, in a way that I could help other manufacturers. Oh, that's wow. So nice. Thank, so thank so you for sharing that. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, so Carol, um, as we're nearing our end here, what, what is the biggest challenge that you're facing in your role or your new business or your consulting service right now? And how are you tackling it? Well, it's, it's sort of an age old problem, Diane. It's a uh, focus, focus. <laughs> you know, I can remember my mom saying to me, focus. And, and, and I'm like, Oh, I am focused. She says, no, you're not. You like to do too many different things. And, um, I, right now I, there are so many different things that I, I want to do. Uh, it's like, I, I, it's like, it's summertime for me. It, you know, when you're a kid and you're, and you're in school and it's summertime and you just get to, you know, have fun, fun, fun. Well, in this sort of phase of my life, it's summertime. So I can, you know, what can I do? You know, I, I could stay up all night. I could, you know, do this. I could, you know, go to this uh, thing, go to that thing. Um, but what I need to do is, okay, what, uh, with all that I've done, what's the next uh, evolution of uh, the contributions that, that I've given and that I can give in the future and focus on that. <laughs> Wow. That sounds like very, very solid advice. Very um, safe. Anything else you want to share to our audience today? Uh, nothing other than, you know, there's an old adage uh, with the lottery. You have to play to win. And so <laughs> if you want to do something uh, and you've not had the opportunity uh to get in that path, um, you, you got to break out of your mole and, and just do it. Just, just figure out, okay, how can I do this? Um, okay, what, what is my end point? Uh, what do I, what would I consider success? And, you know, but just do it. Don't overthink it. Get out of your head, you know, and, and get out there and, and, and do something that, that you feel that you can do and contribute. Wow. Wonderful. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Carol Thomas, president of Charles in Charge, and uh, certainly such a um, magnificent contributor to so many organizations. Thank you for listening today to C-Suite Talks. Thank you to our sponsors, Google, the accounting firm of RSM, law firm of Manette, City National Bank, advertising media and PR companies of Interpublic Group, IPG, and executive search and IT consulting firm, Amplify Professional Services, which actually is my company. So thank you. Beth, give us a wrap yeah. up. So um, hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. You can find us on YouTube as well. Leave us a review. Five stars, of course. Follow us on social media. Send us an email at Beth at SWEET.org. And check out our website, www.CSWEET.org, C-Suite. And become active. Come to events. Get busy. Meet these amazing women like Carol. And come out and play. So thank you, everyone.